All right, let's bring in our next Orioles-related guest, Dan Connolly, joining the show again, uh, writes for SportsNaut, sportsnaut.com, and you can follow him at Dan Connolly 2016 Dan, great to see you, and I'll say this because it's all truth on this show. You were the guest I was most excited to have on this week, and that's before the Corbin Burns news. You have a long history with the Orioles ownership group, and this, I have to imagine, is a joyous time because you cover this team for years, and now you're probably going to get a little more transparency from this team. So what are your thoughts on this new era in Baltimore? Well, first of all, you have to have more transparency, right? I mean, this is about as opaque as possible uh, during these last six years with John Angelos. So I think no matter what, they're going to have more transparency. David Rubenstein is a guy who knows media. He's been in media. He understands all of this. So I do expect more transparency, and I, I do expect a difference just overall in how the fans view this ownership. This is a good thing, right, Dan? Oh, it's a is this good, a good thing. Is this good? Is this great? Is this like we're celebrating like, you know, we won the World Series? Good. I mean, how, how big of a step is this from John Angelos and what he did and Peter Angelos to now this new group with Cal Ripken and Rubenstein and all these other people? Well, first of all, I think if you look at it just on the surface, it's a tremendous situation for Orioles, Orioles fans. You're, you're talking about three different billionaires part of this, not even including Cal Ripken Jr., who, as you guys know, you know, he brings a, a whole – cachet of himself. But if you look at the, the three billionaires that are, are there, they're all worth a lot more than the Angelos family was. And I, I think that that says, you know, Rubenstein's from Baltimore. He's been a Royals fan all of his life. He says he wants to win. He wants to get this world, you know, a World Series championship. Have not been in a World Series since 1983, guys. So, I mean, that is a big deal. Now, the only thing that I say, and I've cautioned this in, in my, my most recent piece, you got to be careful what you wish for, too, because you don't know how he's going to handle things. And you don't know how, how meddling they, the, this ownership may be. They obviously have a very good front office set up with Mike Elias and his guys. You know, in 1993, when Peter Angelos ended up, you know, buying for 173 million through a bankruptcy hearing, um, he was a local guy. Everybody was thrilled. The first couple of years were a tremendous honeymoon for him, and then things went sour. So you got to kind of be, you know, careful what you wish for. But I think right now, especially where this team is on the field. I think it is a tremendous joy for Orioles fans to have a new ownership. I want to I want to go back to the conversation <clears throat> you had with Angelos a little bit about selling. Um, heard you got yelled at by him one time too as well. So go a little talk a little bit about that and uh, what you really got out of it when you were talking to him. Yeah, we had a press conference in January of uh, 2023, which was for supposedly it was it was about a. Um, scholarship situations that Orioles were doing with inner city youth, a really good program. But we, he hadn't spoken to us like I think maybe two or three times in four years, John Angelo. So he calls this, he calls it on Martin Luther King day. And it's a, you know, it's an inner city scholarship program. And after they do their little you know piece, the first two questions, one was about the lease, which has now been signed the Cam Yards lease. And then my second question was ironically, guys, what is your commitment to this city and to this team one year, two year, five year, 10 years down the road. Are, are the Angelos family going to be selling or are they still interested in being part of this long term? And that's where he just kind of went on a deranged rant about how it was an inappropriate time to ask a question at his own press conference, which he called and told us that he was going to show us the, the financials, the books of the Orioles so we could see what he's talking about. Again, that never came to fruition. He doubled down on it in March of last year 
never came to fruition. Uh, you know, he has been caught many times saying something and not following through. And the most recent was this past December, guys, when he he basically told the governor of Maryland while they were in, uh, negotiating this lease that the team was not for sale, not for sale when the rumors with Rubenstein first first appeared. And a month later, he's it's for sale and they're, they're selling. So I, I think that, you know, he showed what he was or, or how he handled things during that press conference. Yeah, Dan, this dude is ruthless. And I think the biggest part of this story is that he is now out of not just Baltimore sports, but uh, all of baseball. So how much of a win do you think this is for baseball? Because really you have 30 human beings who are the gatekeepers of a sport. And I'm going to give benefit of the doubt and glass half full to the new ownership group. And also, like you mentioned, the bar is set so low. There's 20 other things you've written about if they go obviously to your Twitter and to uh, to sports not to read about how well documented you have provided all uh, Orioles fans and baseball fans with how much of a disaster John Angelos has been as owner suspending the broadcaster taking you know attention away from the team's success last year by saying he's not going to re-sign anyone it's just it's on and on so for the game of baseball these are the people that make decisions on content on entertainment on everything involved in the game how much of a win is this it's a big win. I mean, we again, we have to caution. He's going to have 30-some percent of the team. He will still be a minority owner. His family will still be a minority owner, at least until his father passes. His father's 94, been incapacitated for six years or so. So as soon as, you know, he passes and they put it together, the rest of that stake, or at least a large majority of that stake, will then go to, will then be sold to uh, the Rubenstein Group. But he is still going to be part of this on that aspect. He will no longer be the controlling uh, partner, a controlling member, and that's the guy who reports and and you know works with the rest of the owners. And I think that's got to be great. As I wrote recently, I, I think uh, Rob Manfred probably bought a bunch of champagne and a bunch of ice waiting for for this to happen and not to have to deal with the Angelos family anymore. You know, they they sue the the Major League Baseball over the uh, Washington Nationals agreement with Mass in the Middle Atlantic Sports Network. So there's a lot of history there. And I think that Rubenstein is a guy who's really well thought of. So I think they'll, I, I mean, my guess is it's going to happen fairly quickly, the approval, because they'll be really happy not only to push aside the Angelos family somewhat, but also to bring in a guy, Rubenstein, who has a lot of money. He's got Michael Bloomberg behind him, for goodness sake, uh, and Cal Ripken. So, I mean, I, I think that this is going to go very quickly, and I think they're going to be very happy. And I think Major League Baseball should be happy, and its fans should be happy, because we're never going to see a salary cap, guys, right? But there, there should be some type of salary floor in that the guys who, you know, the owners, people who have these teams can pay enough or, or are willing to pay enough to keep the teams, you know, at, at the very least competitive, if not more. And John Angelos, the Angelos family, they, they, you know, get kudos for hiring Elias and staying out of his way. But the truth of the matter is they were never going to spend that kind of money. And this group has that money to spend if they want to go out and get a guy. And, and so I think that's a huge win for the game itself. Here's a thought. I just thought about this now. Whoa, what a beautiful face that is right there. Um, <laughs> are the <laughs> Orioles done? Are they are they done now? Is this like, all right, we're bread and butter done, or are they, are they still looking uh, to find other guys? We just talked to Mike Elias uh, about an hour ago or so, and he, he said that, you know, right now it looks like they're going to just kind of scan what's going on and maybe bring in some depth pieces, maybe some relief pieces. I think that this is the end for them. Now they are, I think they're 38 on their 40 man. So they do have a couple spots to fill, but they love their offense. Uh, they, they feel like they could do a little bit more in the bullpen, especially with the L hall gone. 
but I think rotation-wise, they're set. So as far as big purchases, yeah, I think they're set. I do think that it's possible that they bring in somebody, you know, for minor league depth or whatever um, to see what happens, you know, if, if somebody gets hurt. That's what they were really good at last year, and I think they'll probably go that, you know, that way again. All right, you mentioned they're popping champagne because Brad Manford doesn't have to deal with the Angelos. Should Orioles fans be popping champagne because they made this move for Corbin Burns? I mean, this is—is is this the—is this the we're going to put you over the top move for the Orioles to get them not only to the playoffs but deep into the playoffs? I, I think it is, assuming he stays healthy. I really do. This team needed two things going into the offseason. It needed to somehow replace Felix Bautista, who had October elbow surgery. And it needed to put a number one guy in this rotation. It's a solid rotation. They have guys coming. They have guys who, you know, who've done well, but they needed that guy. They needed a guy to throw against, you know, Garrett Cole. They needed a number one to kind of stabilize everything. And this was one of the best guys, not only available, but just in the majors. I mean, I'm writing a piece for Sports Not Today. And honestly, I think this is the biggest acquisition, trade acquisition for a pitcher the Orioles have made since 1968 when they traded Kurt Bleffrey, who had been a rookie of the year, to Houston for a guy named Mike Cuellar, who basically helped, you know, joined a really good rotation and made it that much better. I, I in, in trades for the Orioles, this is as about as big as they come. I mean, you look at maybe in 76 when they traded for Reggie Jackson and a couple others, but as far as getting one guy who can make a difference for one year, I mean, this they could have done better. And, and Mike Elias told us that this was, you know, he believes that this was the move to really put them in that position. Okay, how does their line? How does their rotation line up? Burns one, Bradish two, Grayson Rodriguez three, and then do you go Means, Kramer? I mean, how does it line yeah. up? And and how? And also to piggyback that, how much faith the Orioles fan have in Craig Kimbrell? Well, that, that's a good point. But here to get your second question first, Craig Kimbrell. You know, he, he's a potential Hall of Fame closer. He's obviously had, you know, ups and downs in the in the postseason. He's had ups and downs. But if you look at it, really, they I mean, Yanir Cano pitched really, really, really well for them last year. Uh, CNL Perez has been very good for them for the last two years. They could possibly take over this closer duty if it doesn't work out for uh, with Kimbrell. But bringing in Kimbrell takes that pressure off those guys. They don't have to automatically be thrown into it. So I think that even if Kimbrell does it for two or three months and wears out a little bit or whatever, it still provides them with some experience, provides them with a guy who can do it, who has done it, and, and maybe takes a little pressure off some of the other guys uh, with the electric arms who maybe you know go into that. As far as just what the rotation looks like, I think you're, you're right. The only, the only question I have is whether maybe John Means is the number three guy to start because he's a left-hander, breaks it up a little bit. And remember, John Means was very, very good when he was healthy. He had 3-6 ERA two different years for the Orioles until he had Tommy John surgery, came back at the end of last year, should be fully healthy this year, and he can be a two or three unquestioned, maybe even you know maybe even a number one de facto, which he has been in the past for them. And then Grayson Rodriguez, the sky's the limit. So you're talking about those four guys in some order, probably the order you suggested. And then Dean Kramer's fifth. They also have Cole Irvin. They also have Tyler Wells, who may now be moved back to the bullpen. But they have other opportunities for guys that can maybe take that fifth spot. But this is so much deeper now with Corbin Burns atop. So, Dan, this new ownership group could officially take over in a matter of days with ownership approval maybe next week in Orlando. And, you know, new ownership groups, especially if they're legit, they want to try and make 
more splashes right from the jump. Now, that's not saying that they're going to do something with the free agent market, but let's say we get settled into the season or into spring training and this group now has control. What would you do if you're them? Would you obviously talk to Adley and Gunner and maybe even beyond? Like what other names would you bring up if they're consulting with Michael Elias and company and saying, hey, we've got money to spend. This is one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. The offseason has already, for the most part, passed us. What should we do? Well, first of all, I don't think it's going to be approved this quickly. Um, you're talking about next week for the meetings. I think they're going to be, you know, the subject is going to be broached. You're going to have a lot of information on it. I think it'll take a little while. I mean, Rubenstein is a known character, known commodity. So I don't think it's going to take as long as maybe it does with other groups, but I don't think it'll be, you know, this week. So I think it will take some time, maybe a couple weeks, maybe six weeks, something of that nature. Um, but it will get done. And I just don't, not 100% sure when that's going to be. But to me, the absolute first thing you do is you sit down with Scott Boris, you, you, you know, and, and talk about Gunnar Henderson. Uh, you know, you, you sit down with Adley Rutschman's people. And, and I mean, you know, he's got Dan Vertleib is, is his guy. And um, I, I think you immediately talk with those guys, with Grayson Rodriguez's people, um, with Jackson. You know, Boris also represents Jackson Holiday. So with Holiday and see what you can do. See if you can offer these guys eight-year deals or whatever, get past arbitration and show the fans that, yeah, these are our guys for, for the future. That's one thing the Orioles have not done much of in the last 20 years. And I think that's essential. This is a really good team. It's a good team on paper. It's a young team. It's a team that really hasn't actually, even with winning 101 games last year, a lot of these guys just played fairly well. They haven't even hit their peaks yet. So imagine the peaks. You know, I, I think the fans are really excited about that if they keep getting better. But you got to show people that, hey, we want this group around. And I don't. I, that's not something that John Angelos would have been able to do, I don't think, in his mind or financially. And I think that's something that the Rubenstein group should show that they absolutely can do and do soon. I love that. Hey, last one, historical context. How does this week rank in Baltimore baseball history? I mean, it's incredible because you're talking about, you know, Angelus, the Angelus family has been with it since 1993, the longest ownership in Orioles franchise history. Obviously, there were some good times. And like I said, you got to give credit to John Angelus for, for the and his brother Lou for the hiring of Mike Elias and his people and getting out of the way. But this is an organization that has not done particularly well over the years. Like I said, not since 83 of World Series. The team was really good last year. It was a disappointment that they went out in the first round. Uh, and so I think that just the ownership sale was huge news and was extremely important. Remember, the Ravens lost on Sunday and everybody was all bummed. And then all of a sudden, boom, the Orioles sell, you know, Angela sells. Everyone's excited. And then, oh, two days later, they get one of the best pitchers in baseball coming on a team that's already good. So I think it's it's got to be up there. I mean, you take away World Series championships and things like that. Even the Frank Robinson deal probably wasn't looked at as ex excitingly by the fans because it, there's been such a drought now. And I think they're so excited about this particular team. I can see that smile on Dan's face. It's going to be so fun covering this team now for you, Dan. I'm excited for you. Genuinely so excited. You deserve this. You had to deal with a lot there for a long time, man. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, well, thank you, Dan. It was awesome having you on. And again, everyone check out Dan's work on SportsNaut, uh, sportsnaut.com. And also check out his Twitter. We'll post some of these clips on there, too, so you can check those out. Dan, happy week in Baltimore. Talk to you soon, man. Absolutely, guys. Take care. Thanks for having me.